In its quest to provide an open forum for discussion of controversial issues, this station allows hosts and their guests to express themselves without any significant censorship. You are advised that any view expressed by the host or their guest are not necessarily the views of the owners or management of Toginet Radio, Togi Entertainment, or the Owners Group, Inc. Okay, that was a good entrance. <laughs> Welcome to Ghost Chronicles International. I am Ron Kolick, your host, the gatekeeper to the realm of the unknown, the unexplained, and the unbelievable. And trust me, it's getting more unbelievable every week. What the hell was that? Anyways, Richard is not with me today. He is actually doing some TV thing, and I wish him the best of luck with that. But I've got the next best thing. I've got a young Richard, the uh, punk rocker of the paranormal parapsychologist, Mr. Kiel Cooper. Hello. How are you doing, Ron? Hey, what's up? Yeah, I'm good, sir. I can't believe Richard is away again. That's very naughty. Oh, that's all right. He's got something good going. Hopefully it comes through for him, so that would be very cool. Yeah, he said he, he said he was going to call me, but um, I haven't actually had any um, calls from him. I've got a lot of pigeons in my garden, though, which is odd. <laughs> One of those might be the peri- uh, carrier pigeon from Mr. Uh, Felix. Anyways, you are listening to Ghost Chronicles International on Toginet, Pararex, Ghost Channel, and beyond. Anyways, uh, I had kind of a neat, neat uh, time on Saturday. I got to go on a real pirate ship. All right. And um, what happened then? Was that an investigation or was it a guided tour of the thing or what was it? It was a uh, ghost uh, pirate ship cruise and it was the first one actually ever did, which was like so much fun. I got to dress up as a pirate so it couldn't get any better than that. And we just <laughs> cruised around the sea at night and told ghost stories and talked to people about their own experiences and sang pirate songs and did trivia. It was, it was a blast. It was a sellout. It did great. Fired the cannons. Did all the cool stuff. You actually got to fire the cannon? Oh, yeah. Oh, a yeah. real live cannon? Yeah. Twice. That's, that's quite impressive. I'm quite jealous there. Yeah, that's I'll, great. I'll have to have a go at that. <laughs> yeah, it was a lot of fun. So anyways, uh, what have you been up to, my friend? I have been spending the last couple of weeks finishing my dissertation and it's just been madness trying to write it all up in a month. So that's all I've been doing. I wish I could say that I've done more or actually written something about something interesting in the paranormal, but I haven't. I've been dealing with whether there's a relationship between human death anxiety, our afterlife beliefs and human creativity. And um, it's been very, very, very slow going. So uh, that's nearly done now. By the end of this week, I can get rid of it, and then just chill out for a bit. And then I've got to go straight into conferences and present some papers on telephone calls from the dead. So I suppose there's no rest for the wicked. I guess not. I mean, it, it, what you do, I imagine if you, you, you're writing on something that you're really passionate about, then it, it's really cool. But if, it's, if you're just doing something for the sake of getting it done, it must not be as much fun. Exactly. I mean, I'm used to most areas of psychology being a psychologist and obviously I had to explore 
many different areas during my undergraduate degree. But if you've got um, a, a real niche or an area that you're so interested in, you can just sit down and write about it. And it, the, the information from your mind and sort of thoughts and ideas just flows into something that you can put together in a book or a paper. But when it is something that you've got to do, a task or a set piece of coursework, you just sit there looking at it and you struggle to get a thousand words out. I, I can't believe it sometimes. I mean, I'm trying to get at least 14,000 words out of this. Wow. So, uh, yeah, hard going. Are you still there, Ron? Have we lost Ron, or have we lost me? Oh, dear. See, now, Ron's probably gone out to experiment with the carrier pigeons, and he's probably sending one to me now. <laughs> I'm going to have messages from Richard and Ron all over the garden. I could go and see in the meantime if Richard's actually sent his book to me. It could actually be by the front door waiting for me right now. Uh, yeah, well, if, if people are still listening, um, I hope everyone's happy. Oh, there we go. Ron. Yeah, you're right. Yes, I can. You're sounding a bit like a Dalek. You keep on fading in and out very crackly. Really? Yes. Are you still there? Ron? Yeah, well, let me talk well, to him again. While we're trying to get Ron back, I think I may as well announce that there are some conferences coming up. Um, first weekend of September, there will be the Society of Psychical Research Conference at the University of Edinburgh. And then following that, if anyone's interested in coming down to Bath, at the University of Bath, as we had a guest, Dave Wood, on last week, um, University of Bath will be holding the ASAP conference on the 10th and 11th of September, which is the Seriously Strange conference. And um, numerous people will be talking there. We've got Steve Parsons, Jack Hunter, Kieran O'Keefe, and many previous guests that have been on the show will be actually presenting some of their research. So that would be good to see anyone there if anyone comes down. Um, but I am quite jealous that Ron got to go on the ghost ship there. I haven't actually been on investigations lately, but um, I was having to go over today with another parapsychologist, something that I did at um, Clifton Hall, which was an investigation um, in which we thought we actually got some poltergeist activity. And um, I was trying to actually decipher whether it actually made a mistake uh, in leaving certain doors open, whether there's any possibility of this poltergeist activity being down to human error or whether it was actually real or not. But um, I don't think the argument got anywhere in the end except for the we couldn't actually explain what was going on. There was no way of knowing. Unfortunately, we'd taken in a load of um, video cameras to record these trigger objects and we hadn't got enough. And the trigger objects that weren't recorded, unfortunately, some of those actually managed to move. So I suppose, Can you hear me? Oh, yes, fantastic. I was having to talk to myself, and probably people were getting bored to death. Probably. <laughs> you know, I, I, think, I think there is a, a, you know, a conscious S, S, uh, effort, or unconscious effort, maybe it's from the dead, to get rid of me. I really <laughs> think so. Uh, anyways, so um, who do we have on the uh, show today? I believe today on the show we've got uh, Wendy Binks. Hello. 
there we go. And, and Wendy, you are uh, Lady Snake. I am, yes. Psychic witch and all-around cool person. Well, I'd like to think I am, but no, I think everybody's cool, aren't they? Um, but I do love the work that I do, to be honest with you. Um, and I've obviously just been doing an awful lot of work and, you know, naming ceremonies and psychic work and mediumship work and, you know, and... Um, I did it. I was, we was just talking a moment ago about investigations. I was at an investigation on um, Friday night for a charity event. And what I found fascinating was mostly quite a lot of the mediums went into um, trance. So I just wanted your thoughts on that because um, obviously I do believe that some people can go into trance, but I don't believe that many would go into trance at the same time. Hmm. Cal, what do you think? I know you believe it's all a bunch of pants. <laughs> Whatever the hell that is, if I knew what it was. Pants is rubbish. Yeah, I'm sure. There you go. Wendy, uh, what were the conditions that you were all doing this in? Was it in the dark or was it a sort of daytime thing that you were doing well to be honest with you it wasn't me it wasn't in my i had a group there was two groups and um, the other medium um i'd had them with him and um you all know philip solomon of course and it was uh, one of his um, favorite places the station um hotel in dudley so it was my first time there and i'd done a demonstration of course and um they, they wanted to do an investigation later on and i was you know doing the usual things letting people you know um do the Ouija board and etc because I don't like to take part in it they have to do it themselves and then all of a sudden you know I was asked to, to come in and help because you know five of the mediums had all gone into trance well of course straight away my skeptical mind you know <laughs> comes straight in hang on a minute five or six people going into trance this is just not going to be so obviously I walked in um and the one I did Obviously, there was one passed out. So um, the first thing to do is to deal with the person that's passed out and make sure. But I actually thought she was dehydrated, to be honest with you. Um, so I dealt with her and, and got that sorted and said goodbye and said go home, you know, um, like you do. And then the others all of a sudden and automatically come in and said, oh, when we feel ill and we all trance this specific spirit. And I said, well, that's quite odd, you know. Um, I can't say you didn't. I can't say you didn't because it's not my place. But I just found it quite odd that if you're in trance, you you know, you don't you wouldn't normally know you're in trance for the start. You know, it automatically happens. And two, that many from one spirit, amazing. <laughs> but I'm, I'm I'm obviously I'm not um So did they share the spirit is what I'm trying to find out. I mean Yeah, they, apparently they, they, so. They, they, did they answer each other's you know, finish each other's sentences? I mean I I'm not sure how this works I'm, I'm no so no mate you see i wasn't told the whole thing because obviously i wasn't there um i just obviously thought hang on a moment you know a bit too many people maybe they was all eager to to please a crowd i don't know um you know the full extent of this um all i know is one lady um was okay one minute and she was you know passed out the next so that was the lady i decided to deal with and then the others was all saying you know that um they'd got this gentleman who was a murderer and this that and the other and it tranced into all their bodies which you know it's not for me to say that it didn't but it's not for me to say that it did i just disbelieved it because you know i just thought that quite a few mediums you know at um, different times you know within a matter of seconds or a matter of minutes of each other you know it's i, I don't know I, I you know i'm just um trying to keep an open mind as, as much as i can but as a psychic myself i'm sorry you know um i just i just thought a bit odd Mm -hmm. 
So, um, what were the, were they all in a very small room? What were the conditions like? Was it a, a open, cold, warm? Um, was it corridor or a closed room? Or yeah, it was um, apparently it was down in the cellars in the closed room. Um, it was quite a big room, to be honest with you. So you know, you've you have got there was there was going on about you know um, temperature fluctuations, which you're going to get anyway because there's different people within the room, so they've got people with different temperatures. Um, so you know, obviously you've got all that. But the main thing, see, I can't go into the full extent because I didn't know the full extent. I wasn't actually there. I just got called in. But I do know it was a pretty big room. We're going, you know, like, what, say, 15 foot by 20 foot, something like that. I don't know. It's that sort of, um, you know, condition. And they was all in, like, the same area. But they was all mediums, you know, and, and that's what I got told. All of them are mediums. And it was just what I found odd was that the other people that wasn't mediums and that was just there to enjoy the night, if, you know, is it going to trance? Why wouldn't it happen to one of them as well? Or, you know, or is it just the medium? So, you know, obviously I'm not knocking any medium because, you know, I'm one myself. But I just thought, hang on, you know, I'm in a place here with other mediums and you're all saying that you're tranced. And later on, one of them specifically um, turned around and said that, you know, um, they thought they took it home with them, they, did, they haven't felt right since. And, you know, so you've got all of this. Now, it could be that they was all, they'd done a couple of hours, the place was hot, you know, and that they all could have been dehydrated. Yeah. Uh, at the end of the day, what we're dealing with is people. I mean, being mediums aside, that doesn't mean they've got magical powers or they're any different to any other people um, in the sense that of how they react to each other or, or um, um, the conditions that they're put into. When I've been on investigations before, I have seen, say, a group of 10 or 20 people and maybe a couple claim that they've become possessed and end up running off down a corridor, think something's attacking them or something's on their face and then they collapse and have to be carried out. I think if you've got a group of six mediums together and they all feel that they've got this kind of um, common connection and they're, they're all picking up on these vibes of the building, um, that as it's at night time, as they're together... As the temperature might change as they're all in the room together and they're all getting very comfortable and settling down and getting into the sort of state that they're required to actually conduct their mediumship abilities, that you kind of fall into this um, sort of, one, a self-meditative state and also might become uh, in a position where everything's very suggestible. So you start taking on what everyone else is saying. So it causes this sort of group um, trance sort of state. I mean, I've only seen it with a couple of people, not with like, I think you're saying about six people, was it? Mm, yeah. But to be honest with you, Cal, wouldn't you actually, as a medium or as a psychic myself, okay, one, if you, you know, you're obviously going into your alpha state, because that's what we do, we go into our alpha state to get our connection, okay, um, a nice meditative state, as you've said. But even if, you know, you've got trans like it, isn't it up to you to do that protection and up to you to deal with this? You know, I know that sometimes you can't, but you actually, on, as a medium, you're connecting with spirit, you're dealing with spirit. You know, it's, it, it really is up to you to make sure that they're not coming too much into your aura and into your space, really. Uh, I think just in terms of psychology, there might just be a group of psychologically suggestible people that have all been put into the same environment while they're all relaxing and getting calm so you know they easily get into the state where they think they're actually getting possessed you know um for me auras and spirits and ghosts aside if we're just looking at 
what could actually cause that effect in terms of what we already know, um, you could actually probably predict that these people are actually very psychologically suggestible compared to the other people that are in the location. good example of this is, I know we've all seen Darren Brown doing experiments on stage, but when he wants people to take part in the table tipping, he asks people to come up on stage with these makeshift pendulums, which is basically a nut and bolt on the end of a piece of string. He only selects the people where the nut and bolt has actually moved the most and actually moved according to his instructions, because we know that this works through the idiomotor effect, um, very subtle muscular movement within the end of the fingertips or the arms um, through suggestion of the environment So, and um, what people are saying. Um, and that's how we can relate it to table tipping as well when we think that the spirits actually possessed it and the glass is moving or the table's moving. And it requires this kind of group effort or at least someone to be in contact with the table or the pendulum to make it work in the first place. So then Darren Brown selects the most psychologically suggestible people and then puts them on the table and they end up running around the stage and actually following all kinds of instructions. Um, with the mediums, you know, you don't need anyone to actually give them instructions. They kind of put themselves into this state because they're all passing this information back and forth. I mean, if they have got a genuine ability, I don't know whether they can actually read what each of them are doing but or only pick up their own individual information. And if they're doing that, then they're probably feeding off the other person's information and ending up more and more into this state where they're kind of not sure what's going on in their environment and getting wrapped up into the situation, which causes what you think is or what you see as this sort of room full of people that seem possessed that's something that i'd suggest anyway i mean i wasn't there i don't know but um just um playing the the skeptic having my skeptical hat on here that's what i think was probably kind of going on it just it, it was just funny though cal because you know you know i'm not skeptic you know i'm on a psychic and mediumship level myself but to be honest with you and i didn't want to pick on them but the very first thing that crossed my mind is right six mediums um you know there, there's a problem here they've all you know gone into trance i'd met um the spirit um of the station myself earlier on you know and it didn't possess me you know i just got um the same details as as you would if you've had an audience and, you know, you have a conversation or you get impressions or whatever it is that, you know, different mediums and psychics get. I just found it a bit odd, really, that, you know, um, but I didn't, I did find out later on that they'd been there before. So whether mm. that had anything to do with it, I don't know. I just, um, see, sometimes I don't like to do um, paranormal investigations because of things like this, because, you know, they spoil it for everybody else, really. Did, did they say anything specific while they were in this trance state? Well, this this is the problem. They all just said that um, they had the, the murderer, George. Right. You know, he took over. Um, but they'd been there before, Cal, so they would have known all the information. <laughs> you know, and this is... Now, I'd gone to this place and knew nothing about it. And I'm thinking, OK, you know, and, and obviously I've done my own investigation earlier on and gone round the building and I never got possessed, um, nor did the other two mediums that was working with me. But then all these mediums come up and, you know, was and they was, they was lovely, they was lovely to meet and they was nice people. I just found it a bit odd that, um, you know, this happened. And, like, I did have... I actually swapped over with this group and because um, I said, right, OK, well, if this is the case, I'd like you to come with me and we'll go up into one of the rooms and see what happens and 
to be honest with you, none of them got into a trance state. You know, um, I ended up in, I'm going to say, in a friendly debate because when we, the minute we walked into the room, you know, it was like, well, let's put the chair over in this corner. And, you know, you didn't need to be a medium to say, well, hang on, you walk into a hotel room, it's the first thing you do. You go to the window, you go and have a nosy out. Why would you want to put it into a corner of a dark room? You know, so um, you've got like certain things um, that was going on and I don't feel well and I feel as though there's a spirit climbing inside my body and I'm like, so I went over and said, okay, um, can you show me where? And obviously I checked the temperature and um, check for cold spots, that sort of thing. And I just, and I said, right, come out the energy and let me go into the energy. And as I stood in the energy, I said, well, as a medium, I'm not getting anything. But I'm, I, I, it wasn't for me to say, you're not. But what I was trying to say to him, well, I'm not picking it up, you know. So it was kind of like a, a, an interesting night. And, and then to find out later that they'd been there a few times before, they knew all the information, just kind of like thought, I thought, oh, okay, why do that then? You know, yeah. did it really happen or, you know, uh, why do that? I just, weird. I can relate to these situations quite a lot of the time on investigations where we've had to just take notes every 10 minutes how we're feeling. And mm-hmm. if we have had a medium there that no one's really familiar with and they're getting all these vibes saying, oh, don't you feel really cold in here? Or is anyone getting any sort of arm pain or anything like that? And it'll come to me every time and say, how are you feeling? I'm feeling fine. I've never felt bad, sick or anything on an investigation. And it... I think sometimes people just get too lost in the moment or where they are and actually are too quick to take on the fact that they're in a horrible, damp cellar that they know there's been a murder in or people were tortured and then say, oh, I feel absolutely awful in here. And it was interesting at uh, Chillingham Castle when we were there because the room that stores all the torture devices isn't the original one. All that stuff's been moved up there. Um, to um, save it from part of the cellar, which I believe collapsed or something like that. But when you take people in there, they all feel awful in there because of what's in the room. It's not because of what the room used to have in it, though they believe that's the case. Um, I I think that room was used for something completely different, like wine storage or something like that. But people say, yeah, I'm getting a bad spirit in here. I'm not feeling good. Whatever's there, if anything is there, is only attached to the items that are in there, not the room itself. So people... um, sometimes very very much susceptible to what's going on around them and taking that on board and thinking it might be psychic or something else. Mm-hmm. What do you think, Ron? Are you still oh. there? Oh, yeah, I'm just listening to all this. I, I just find it, you know, fascinating for, on so many different levels from both of you, really. Uh, Wendy being a medium, I've always noticed that there always seems to be this jealousy between mediums and in, in that like the, the, almost a distrust to them uh and i'm not saying that's with you with no you, it's Wendy, okay. but it, it's it's a common occurrence and it's interesting with cal because you're saying well this couldn't possibly be happening and and the other thing that you mentioned also was well they were there before therefore they knew the stuff it you know all that is kind of pertinent but it, it isn't pertinent as well. I mean, just because a medium, let's start with that, just because a medium has been into a place before doesn't necessarily taint an investigation one way or another. Um, if you go visit your family all the time, you, you know your family's there, but you, it's interesting all the time. Uh, it, it, just because you know the circumstances doesn't mean you can't get valid information 
be in the air time and time again. Mm-hmm. So that's the first thing. And the second thing is, yeah, I mean, I work with Maureen, who's a trans medium, and I, I never believed in mediums at all. So I have a natural distrust for all mediums. So until I really work with a medium, then I always have this distrust for them. I'm always like, yeah, okay, whatever. But then again, I feel that we all have this ability too. So it, it makes sense that, you know, other people do. I mean, it's it's a... The thing is, we don't know. That's really what it all gets down to. Yeah. I mean, Cal, you can very easily, you know, say, oh, psychologically, you're in a dark spot, this and that. So this is what you're really feeling. But that's you're just looking at it at one strictly point of view. This is what probably the reasons for it. I mean, you can't say that 100%. That's the reason. There could be a ghost. And if you don't recognize the ghost then uh, or a spirit, then, you know, you can't use that as, as a... Uh, um, What's going on? What's the word I'm looking for? I can't think of it offhand. But oh, uh, no, I'm not going to say that ultimately there isn't anything there. If people have reported yeah. stuff there before and uh-huh. it, it's um, it's been reported by other people as well, um, everyone's seen saying the same ghost and these people have never met and it was at mm-hmm. different time periods and everyone's reporting the same thing, then, yeah, you've got some sort of phenomenon that's linked to the location that many separate people who didn't interact have reported, so something's going on. But whether that can actually happen when you want it to, just because you're on an investigation, is very unlikely because the nature of this phenomenon is spontaneous, which is why they're called spontaneous cases. They happen when you least expect them right. to. They could happen during the day. So I don't doubt that they do happen, but when it just comes to sticking people in a location where you're expecting to get something, there are a lot more psychological elements going on because you're aware of what you're looking for rather than going about your business and it just happening. And you have to look at it at two points of view. Number one, are you doing an investigation or are you doing an event? If you're doing an event, then it's really, no matter what you do during that event or what happens during that event, it's not really evidence or anything. It's an experience, and that's all it is. That's all you can really say it is. Because there are so many, uh, what's the word I'm looking at, non-controlled conditions um, and controlled conditions, too, that, that may occur or cause this to happen. So, I mean, you have to look at it two points of view. If you're doing an event, Take it for what it is. It's an event. Uh, you know, people are going there for an experience, and they're looking for that experience, so therefore they're more apt to have it, to be honest with you. And uh, versus an investigation, we are there to really find, uh, I won't say evidence, but to, to try to resolve or solve the the uh, mystery at that particular location or with the particular person. Do, don't you agree, Whitney, and, and yourself? I do, actually, because, like, the, the one thing I really wanted to say was, obviously, um, it's only happened to me, you know, once or twice in very short um, periods of trance, um, but it was in control conditions and I could deal with it. Um, I think what I really wanted from you tonight was um, I'm not, you know, knocking any medium or any psychic. I agree with you. The paranormal world is is the most, you know, and I don't mean this to anybody, the nastiest, um, especially with mediums and psychics because there is very big egos. And, you know, I 
we have to have an ego. Every psychic medium has to have an ego to do the job that they're doing. Um, because if we didn't, you couldn't have someone shy going up to do mediumship. But what I am saying is, is we're all there for the same goal. Um, you know, I was I was talking the other day to another American um, lady who was, um, she was doing stuff for the police over in America. And she said, you don't do it in the UK. And I said, you know, um, yes, actually we do. We just don't do as much as it it is over there to be honest with you and you know i did say to her because well, she said well it's very have, different you're gonna not. have to actually hold that thought because we have to take a break right now sorry about okay. that we'll welcome to talking Net. radio with a cutting edge they're creepy and they're kooky mysterious and spooky they all talk gobbly gooky the parrax family the shows are paranormal, not stuffy but informal. The topics are abnormal, the Parrax family. They're strange, deranged, unrestrained. So grab your favorite brew, it's time to rendezvous. As we give the awards to the Parrax family. Alright. Hi, I'm Ron Kolick, author and lead investigator of the New England Ghost Project, New England's own Van Helsink. And I'm Ann Kerrigan, the blonde bombshell, and I'm the lead investigator of East Bridgewater's Most Haunted. And we'd like to invite you to tune in. Ghost Chronicles, the next generation. Every Wednesday night at 7 p.m. Eastern Standard Time on www.toginet.com. So, so yeah, what are they going to hear on this stupid show? What are they going to hear? They are going to hear things that they can't believe are happening. Like uh, Beyond Bizarre. And Cemetery Tripping. Oh, that's your deal, right? Absolutely. Yeah, one of these days you're going to get uh, so scared of one of these cemetery tripping things that uh, you'll, I'll have to get a new co-host. <laughs> I am brave beyond belief. Nothing yeah, we'll see. scares me. Except so anyways, if you're bored and you got nothing to do on Wednesday night, tune in to Ghost Chronicles Next Generation with Anne and Ron. See you then. Okay, we are back. You are listening to Ghost Chronicles International with my special co-hosts, parapsychologist Cal Cooper and Tojinet, uh, Pararex Ghost Channel and beyond. And our very special guest is the snake lady, uh, Lady Snake, excuse me, uh, Wendy. <laughs> so, I mean, I, I know I did cut you off, but before I forget, Lady Snake, what, what, what is that? What, what, How did you get that name? What, what's the deal? Um, generally, it's my Wiccan name. It's my pagan name, because um, obviously um, I'm a high priestess. I do um, run a coven. Uh, well, my family, I call it. Um, there is many witches out there that you know are solitary, single on their own. But I choose not to. I choose to you know teach or to knowledge. Actually, let's say that I don't teach. I give knowledge of the work that I do and pass it on to others. And you know we work as a family and help people out and don't charge. Um, is the biggest thing I must say, because um, a lot of a lot of um, people out there and witches out there charge you know many hundreds of dollars or many you know pound signs for the spells that they do. At the end of the day, it should be given for nothing because isn't that what life's about? You know, helping people. Yeah, and um, there there are no snakes involved in what you do, right? 
No. Um, I chose, um, well, actually, I was given um, lady because I am not a lady. I'm far from one (laughs) with being a scouser. Um, And obviously snake, because if we go back into ancient times, the snake is is the one thing that goes in between worlds. And um, the snake actually taught um, or it's supposedly taught humans how to, especially ladies, how to give birth, etc. So um, and very fertile. So that's why, you know, why that name came about. And plus, the snake can be quite sly, can't it? You know, can't we all? <laughs> mm. So, uh, anyways, we—I I forgot where we were in the middle of your thing. I, I do apologize for cutting that off, but uh, as usual, I didn't hear the beats. So, um, did you? complete what you were saying <laughs> I was remember ge- what, you complete, yeah. what you're saying <laughs> I was generally saying about you know whether you're psychic whether you're clairvoyant whether you're trance whether you're, you know um clairescent it's all one and the same thing really at the end of the day um there's everybody's psychic in the world or um you know a medium within the world and this sort of thing it's whether you choose to to work with it a little bit more. You know, children are the most um, psychic people in, in the world, as far as I'm concerned, you know, because they're so innocent and they take on everything. But, you know, at, at the end um, of the day, the way I'm seeing it is, you know, the paranormal, I don't think, um, whether it's science or whether it isn't, we're all looking for the game, same goal. We're all looking for it to be proven um, or not proven, as the case may be. And what I'm trying to get at, really, is it should be working together and not really, um, you know, rowing or, you know, debating is lovely, but to row? You know, what for? Why? That's just an ego. You just um, mentioned something there, which I've had in a discussion with mediums before, when you said if you're X, Y, and Z, which was if you're clairvoyant or psychic. Now, in psychology, when we look at people that have had psychic experiences, we can actually break it down into categories that are actually well-known in parapsychology. So if we just take ESP, which is extrasensory perception, Mm -hmm. we can break that down into three categories, which is clairvoyant, precognition, oh, sorry, clairvoyance, precognition, or telepathy. So telepathy is mind-to-mind interaction. Mm-hmm. Precognition is seeing information in the future or a future event. And clairvoyance is seeing information at distance. So if you sealed something in a box or had something on the other side of the door, you'd know what that item was. Um, I've had mediums come up to me, and when they're having this debate, they said, oh, there's a big difference between psychic and clairvoyance, when I consider clairvoyance as a category of psychic because it's under ESP. So how would you define psychic against clairvoyance? Well, at the end of the day, whether it's medium or psychic or clairvoyance, isn't it that the case of um, people say that they see a dead person in front of them, you know, that's what makes it the medium and then they talk to them, okay? At the end of the day, enough, every single clairvoyant and every single psychic gets um, something or gets some sort of um, symbolism, okay, that's given to them or, you know, whether they hear things or whether it, it isn't. To me, there's no difference in it, to be honest with you, Carl, because um, the way I'm seeing things is you can categorise whatever you like but at the end of the day can anybody really categorize everything okay obviously mind to mind but um a lot of people say well aren't psychics and mediums reading minds anyway you know as to connecting connecting with the loved ones through the mind because they've you know the other person's you know um within a reading they're thinking about their loved ones so it's it's telepathically coming over so If you can see from my point of view, um, the way I see it is I never say to someone, right, okay, psychic and everything. The reason why I class myself as a psychic, because I do give, you know, predictions. Um, I do 
connect with energy. I do connect with the other person's energy. So I actually... You do tarot too, right? You do um, Yeah, I can do tarot. I do teach tarot, but I don't really use them, to be honest with you, even when I'm connecting with someone to read for them. Um, Unless, obviously, I'm on the net and I will say to them I'm using tarot. But I really connect with energy. I connect with a voice vibration, you know, this sort of thing. uh, well, doctors once told me that I was a, right, uh, a mind reader. Um, I thought, oh, okay, I'll take that as a compliment, really, <laughs> because, you know, it comes in that. So, Cal, to be honest with you, I don't categorise myself because the way I'm seeing it is it's all the same thing. Who's to know, really, where it's all coming from anyway? Mm. W- would you relate to what other mediums are saying? And can you kind of clarify for me how they're making this definition between psychic and clairvoyance there? I can. I can. Why they're doing that. I can understand why they're doing that. But at the end of the day, is that just because they've read it in a book or is that because, you know, that's the way they've developed themselves or is is that something that they think that they're... um, Sorry, I'm getting my words. I'll get my words out. No, no, I I get... Their spirit spirit guide. You know, is it because their spirit guides told them, you know, how are they going to know this? I think the first one that you said from a book, I think that's one of the most likely things. Like, people have got the common assumption that an EMF meter is a ghost gadget just because of what they've seen on the telly. Mm. Most people aren't normally willing to sit down and read a book, but they realise that they can actually get a lot of information from other people or other people's experiences from actually sitting down and reading a book. And when you consider the vast amount of literature there is on mediums that have written books, everyone's got their own different opinions. So in there somewhere, someone will have explained the difference between... Um, psychic and clairvoyant believing them to just be two separate categories on their own so or or they might have just got it from another medium that told them while they were developing so i tend to agree that the information has probably come from different sources but when you actually ask someone okay what's the difference they'll struggle to actually justify each of those two categories in all fairness i i cannot if you said to me where is your information coming from please wendy when you've done a reading i will honestly sit down with you cal and i will say to you you know what i um really think it's from your family or i'm reading mind either one i can't give you that answer because i don't know that answer all it is is i do this i do i've got i've got um i'm blessed or i've got a gift as as a lot of people say and if it helps somebody you know smile or helps somebody you know feel closer within their family then that's all that matters to me it does you know i don't want to be categorized really I, I, I think it's it's interesting that uh, I think the difference between mediums and clairvoyance psychics is they do get their information from different. I mean, some of them get it from loved ones that are or something associated. Some people can read, for instance, uh, objects and so forth. So I mean, they're getting it from different sources. I mean, I I don't consider myself a medium psychic, but I consider myself a dumb psychic, which means I just know things. I have no clue where it's coming from or whatever, but. It, I'll just something will pop in my head, and that's uh, usually works out pretty good. But you know, I, I saw a program on on TV uh, recently on uh, in the states called uh, Sixth Sense, and it was produced by uh, ABC Television. And they went to the uh, Randy uh, Foundation or whatever the heck it was, and they <laughs> took uh, three. Uh, a palm reader, a tarot reader, and I forget what the other one was offhand. And 
basically that was the million dollar challenge and of course they all failed but unfortunately if you look at the tests they derived from it really wasn't what they were doing it was a you know it was similar to what they did but not what they doing so basically they took the tools that they normally would use for their readings of whatever and took them away from them and then said see well you didn't make it so therefore you're no good but in reality that test did not prove that i just want your thoughts on that I actually think that, you know, if you put somebody in in a controlled condition, then their own, you know, system themselves, you know, you're, you're going to be sitting there, you're going to be nervous, isn't it? It's like when you meet somebody for the first time or you're in a relationship for the first time, you're unsure what's going to be happening, you know, and your own body system will, you know, put its protective shield on and, you know, stuff like that. So, you know, to test psychic mediums, whatever, you know, palmistry, you know, the minute you get nervous is the minute that, you know, things might not happen anyway. It, and with it being in con- a controlled condition, you know, you've got to be relaxed. You've got to be comfortable, you know, with what you're doing, to be honest with you. Um, I, I doesn't bother me. I would do any day if, you know, I was to be tested. Because whether someone said to me, well, I'm sorry, we've done the test and you're not psychic and you're not mediumistic or you're not clairvoyant or whatever, I would just say, yeah, that's lovely, sod off. Because right. I know what I'm doing. I'm so exactly. sorry. Um, I know what I'm doing is is right for me. And you know, as long as it's right for me as an individual, I don't really care what other people think. So sorry. No, that's that's a good way to be. And, and I, I do want to. I kind of agree with you on that because, you know, as part of what I, I do in, in in my whatever this is, uh, my investigation of the paranormal in general, is that I've always tried things, even if I don't believe in them. For instance, in tarot, I mean, we did a show one time with a, a reader, and she gave me a deck of cards. And then I just took these cards, and I attempted uh, to do them. And, and the funny part about it, when I was doing them over the air, I had no problem with it. I was fine doing readings. But yet, when I was sitting face-to-face with someone, I was horrid. So, yeah, I agree that, yeah, that can't fit into it. The think, so. Any situation where you're placed on the spot, you're going to feel um, nervous. Um, we had to do some readings at Tutbury Castle, and it was me up against Matthew Smith, who's another parapsychologist. Oh, yeah. Who was, uh, Dr. Matthew Smith, who's worked a lot with Kieran. Um, he's, he was actually trying to genuinely become psychic for the, the James Randi Million Dollar Prize. Mm-hmm. And only the night before, for half an hour, I just looked at some Barnum scripts. And the next day, we went up against each other. And I was telling everyone, okay, I'm a psychologist. I'm not a psychic. I haven't trained. Let's do this. I'm going to give you a reading. And about 16 out of the 18 groups that I read um, or gave this kind of generalized reading to, they were thoroughly impressed with what I did. And only two weren't because I just couldn't kind of match anything to do with their... Uh, home lives, but I could see everyone queuing up and everyone waiting and looking over. So at the same time, you're trying to put your hands in your head and just think, oh, come on, something's got to come to me and just try and pretend <laughs> you can see their house and just make something up for me. Right. Um, it, it was kind of nerve-wracking to that extent, but um, I can also understand that that's exactly how it feels for people going into labs, which is why in psychology we say that laboratory experiments are good because we've got full control of what's going on, nearly full control anyway. Mm-hmm. Um, the problem is it lacks ecological validity. This isn't how it would happen in the real-world setting, especially if we want to explore some behavior in a child, say. You wouldn't stick them in a room with um, one-way, or two-way mirrors where you can watch through but they can't see you. 
and you just watch their behavior when you put them in a certain certain situation. If you want to watch that naturally, you've got to go and observe children naturally um, in a study yeah. and go out and do observational studies. Um, but then there's problems with that because if you go out into the field, you haven't got control over anything. All you can do is watch. So it doesn't mean that you can actually make the same conclusions or generalizations um, about your findings because there are other variables that could be at play that you're not aware of because all you were doing was watching. If you stick them in the lab, you can control for those other variables that could, say, in psychic abilities, allow for cheating. You could eliminate those in the lab. But again, you're not in a real-world setting anymore, and the medium isn't allowed to perform in the conditions they're comfortable with. A lot of the studies that we do where we put people into the labs don't involve mediums. We take ordinary people and try to see if they actually have psychic abilities or if we can promote psychic abilities that would occur in the real-world setting, ones that we're all familiar with, like the sense of being stared at. You're in public and you just feel uncomfortable, you think something behind you is going on, and you turn around and you see that someone's staring at you. Or you've been sitting at home and you realise that you haven't spoken to your cousin John in, say, 20 years, and you think, oh, whatever happened to them? And then all of a sudden the telephone rings, and it's them. These are the real-world settings that we can't really replicate in the lab. But what we can do is test them in other ways. We could see, well, how many times out of 20 trials can someone guess that someone is staring at them when they're blindfolded? If we take five people and get them to ring one participant in the lab at random intervals, how many times out of five different participants can they get it right and actually guess who's calling them? So there are ways for controlling it and testing it, but it's never, ever going to match the same as the real-world environment. But at least we can grasp the basic mechanisms that are going on. So let me ask a lady, uh, uh, Snake Lady, are you still with us? Yes, I'm here. Okay, good. I thought I lost you for a minute. But uh, let me ask you this, Cal. What is, what is really your goal as a parapsychologist? Is it, is it to debunk or to try to understand? It's to annoy everyone. I know that. <laughs> Trust me, I know that. <laughs> but no, seriously, I mean, between, are, are you there to try to disprove things or are you there to try to understand them? No one's going to get anywhere by going up to people and saying, you think you've seen a ghost? Well, I think you're just mad or you think you're talking to the dead. I also think you're mad. Um, if, if things match up and we have got this database, which we have, of different people that have claimed unusual abilities and we can actually test them and control for these other variables, and then we can say, okay, you shouldn't know this information, and somehow you've given it, given it to us psychically, and we don't know where you've got it from. Or, okay, we put you in this location, you didn't know it was haunted, you've never been here before, and yet you've managed to report seeing the ghost that everyone is familiar with. So that's where it starts to add up, and in psychology we realise something else is going on. That's what we want to explore. So no, I'm not really out to debunk people and say, oh, it's all a load of rubbish. But if I am faced with a situation, if you put me on a paranormal investigation and said, okay, I want you to follow the investigators around and I want you to shed some rational light on what's going on, or you put me in a room full of mediums and said they're all going to give readings to people, I want you to find out if any of these mediums seem to be genuine – what I can do is apply my knowledge of parapsychology and the past literature of all the research and my knowledge as a psychologist as to how these people might be going about conducting these reason, uh, readings and why the people that are having the readings believe they're getting correct information. And um, as I say at Tutbury Castle, I've done this myself. So 
you know, even if we could do this run. If you wanted me to go along to a haunted location, I could pretend to be a psychic and see how many people actually go along with it. But it's that small majority that I'm looking for, the ones that are getting information that they shouldn't be able to, where we know they've never been to that haunted location before, where we know they've not had access to any information about that location. They're getting unusual feelings in places where everyone else has had unusual feelings. They're seeing the same image of a man that everyone else has on a certain staircase. Those are the sort of things that we're looking for, and we would like to see them again and again in different locations. I wouldn't just keep on saying, no, it's a load of rubbish, something else must be going on, because at the end of the day, if there is something genuine going on, it will start to add up, and I will start to be able to see that. I think what's interesting as well, Cal, is you don't have to be a medium or psychic either, do you? Because at the end of the day, you could have a medium or psychic there that doesn't pick up on something, and it could be just um, Joe Bloggs off the street just come in, and, then, and, you know, and they're picking it up. So, you know, that's what's interesting as well, isn't it? Because it's not just specifically psychics and mediums that's doing this. It can be anybody. I have tested, like, mediums, say, the, the same three, three... Three different mediums have come into a location, and I've taken through the entire location and said right what do you get in this room what do you get in this you've got free run of the place go wherever you like we're going to film you i'm going to make notes of stuff i'm going to ask you questions and when you're done just say and it took me two days to do that in clifton hall and go about the grounds and when i reviewed everything that they said everything i'd asked them and went back through all the tape nothing that any of the mediums said matched up now that shows that what they're all picking up on isn't the same but does it mean that they're or not actually psychics. Well, again, we don't really know. What I've kind of learned from that is that they're not actually picking up on the same thing. For me, being quite sceptical, I would say that maybe they weren't psychic because I I would like, if something is so uh, prominent in the location that even general people that don't claim to be psychic can pick up on it, I would like people claiming to be psychic at least to all pick up on something, at least one thing unusual in the same location. These people didn't, but it doesn't necessarily mean but, but they're not psychic. You're going on a hypothesis that whatever's there is there all the time, whereas it's not necessarily true. I mean, no, let's, for instance, you could have a two mediums in a, in a building and in the same room, okay, at the same time. And one of them could say, okay, there's a little boy over there playing with a ball in the corner. And the other one says, well, I see a little old lady on a rocking chair knitting. Now, is either one right or wrong? We, we certainly don't know. If, if you believe that uh, spirits uh, certainly vibrate at a different level or are at different levels, then it's very possible that they're picking up on two different spirits, but the two spirits themselves don't even occupy the same space. So, I mean, it all depends on what you do with as a hypothesis of what you work. If you say, okay, if this building's haunted, this ghost is going to be in there all the time, then, yeah, okay, and, and use that as a, as a, uh, uh, a uh, you know, wh- whether a, a, a psychic is true or not, if, if they have to pick up the same ghost all the time, uh, then, yeah, maybe that's your hypothesis, and you can say, okay, they're not, they never, neither one of them picked up, so therefore they're, they're both not psychics. It but, could be a different timeline, couldn't exactly. it? Exactly. The whole, the whole thing. We don't know. It's, it's simply we do not understand the other side, and perhaps we may never. But I, I, you can't really say that a medium or a psychic 
is good or bad just because they're not picking up the same thing in the same time in the same room. Let's look at it from a different angle. Let's okay. push ghosts out the window for a second. Let's say we took a group of 10 people that claim psychic abilities, but their psychic okay. ability is remote viewing. They can see information at distance, so it's falling into the sort of clairvoyant category. Okay. Um, they can target objects or locations. So I put a map on a table of a forest, and I say, right, You've got a grid reference of this whole place here. There's probably a thousand different squares on this map. I've gone and hidden um, a box that's full of um, rubber balls in the forest. I know which grid reference it is. Mm -hmm. I want you to all sit down. I want you to remote view, and I want you to tell me, write down which grid reference it is, where the box is, and then we'll go and look at it afterwards. If these people have got a genuine ability, if they really are remote viewers, if they're doing what they claim to be, I would at least expect a couple of them to get it right. And And I would agree 100% with you, Cal. Yeah, I agree there. You know why? Because that's very quantitative. We know that there is a box of rubber balls somewhere in that forest that where you put it. We know that. That is the truth. We don't mm-hmm. know anything about the spirit world. That's the problem. But then we're assuming that people do survive death. <laughs> well, I mean, you, sooner or later, you have to assume something. Uh, if you don't assume that, that we survived death, then therefore you're never going to believe any psychic. If they're in. If their information isn't matching in the location, it doesn't that's matter. when we've got to start it questioning matter. it. Absolutely it, doesn't no, matter. No, we have to work off what we know. So if we know that um, there's a ghost of a little boy, there's a ghost of a woman with no arms, and there's a ghost of um, an old man sat in a chair in a location, those are the only three ghosts that have ever been reported by the public in that location. And the mediums might go in and they might pick up on these ghosts. If they start getting other things that don't match what we already know and it's all over the place... That's when you've got to start questioning whether these abilities are genuine because it's information that just doesn't match. I don't. I absolutely don't because if you are assuming that spirits stay in locations, I mean, if spirits can move around, it's very very easy to have what I call street ghosts, and that's just spirits that will come into a location where there is a paranormal investigation going on, or where a a, a medium or someone is attempting to make contact with the dead, and they might want to be heard. So they're coming to you. It's almost like you conjured them. I I hate to use that term, but it is. (laughs) They're coming to that particular location. So that's what they may pick it up. You can't prove it, Pial. It's simple as that. You can't prove it. I can still keep my skeptical hat on. <laughs> you, can, you, can, you can do whatever you want. I mean, that's what's, what makes this thing great. But we don't understand it until we totally understand it. Then there is no right and wrong, to be honest with I you. I don't think we ever will, to be honest with you. I, you know, I I, 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 I'm very, you know, I'm on a psychic mediumship, seer, whatever you want to call it, level. And I'm still very skeptical as well because you have to be. Because if you're 100% in everything that you do, then you're just going to whisper through life aren't you and everything's going to be great um, and you're going to know what's coming around the corner um, and at the end of the day if you keep a nice skeptical mind even though you are along that level then doesn't that test you and push you even further to what's happening around you or what you're picking up on and you know everything that's there is is more exciting and then you know it's more validating for you so that's that's how I see things 
Right. I know we're running out of time now. And, and actually, it's, it's been a great conversation, uh, Cal and uh, Wendy. You, you've both been fabulous. Uh, it, you know, we brought up a lot of interesting points. We may not agree with each other, but that's what makes it good. You just um, said you agreed with me, Ron. I I especially agree. I especially agree with that remote viewing uh, experiment. That is that's very quantitative. You get it's very real. It's you know it, that's controlled, isn't it? So. Absolutely, and and I believe that in a hundred percent. That's that's perfect. I have no qualms with that. So, anyways, Wendy, uh, I know we're just about out of time. Can you give us your website? Well, actually, you can just. Um put up Lady Snake and, you know, it'll just take you to a website or it'll take you onto Facebook or wherever. Right. So if you are interested, just go there. Uh, you can uh, look up Cal's site under Mr. Snake. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> no. Oh, quiet. You can look up me at all the W's, calcooper.com. CalCooper.com. And I do want to mention one thing before we do leave the air is uh, this uh, Monday night uh, on the 29th, I will be joined by my old partner in crime, Maureen Wood, Transmedium, and co-author of uh, Ghost Chronicles and Ghost Day with me at Dining with the Dead at the Wyndham Restaurant in uh, Wyndham. You can still get tickets online at my website, which is N E, the letter N, the letter E, like New England, ghostproject.com. So that's N E ghostproject.com. So, guys, any uh, final thoughts? Uh, just thank you for having me on. It's been quite interesting listening to you know different um, subjects, including Cal. You know, it's nice to to have his thoughts and um, things that's going on there. There you go. We'll debate more, love. <laughs> I think when we get on some investigations, Ron, I'll get you onto my way of thinking. But also, I'll spend an entire investigation pretending to be a medium and see what people make of it. Don't tell them <laughs> that I'm not, though. Let's try and convince them that I am. Cal, that, that's that's nothing wrong with that. I mean, I agree that you, you, why not? And and then you know what the funny part about it is, you may be a medium, and <laughs> once again, you can't even prove that. So hey, you know what? That's the whole thing. But you'll never get me to your point of as far as your train of thought because your, oh, your, train, of, your train of thought is very closed, and I'm very <laughs> open minded. So that's what's going to happen. But, you know, it's a good try, and I'm certainly listening to you because I am open-minded, unlike some people I know. Anyway, <laughs> we want to thank everyone for listening. We want to thank uh, Lady, Lady Snake. Is there a snake lady? It's Lady Snake, right? It's Lady Snake. Thank Lady you very snake. much for having me on. Yeah, thanks for putting up with our madness. And Cheers, Cal, Wendy. <laughs> I do want to thank you so much for coming on uh, and uh, helping me out here. And, uh, oh, my pleasure. I love that. I enjoy it as always. Yeah, good debate is always good. <laughs> So until next time, it's time to wrap it up. Uh, you've been listening to Ghost Chronicles International with Cal Cooper and Ron Kolick, our very special guests, Lady Snake, uh, Wendy Brink, I believe it is. Binks. <laughs> Binks, Binks, Binks. Okay. So good night and God bless everyone. Take care, everyone. Bye-bye. From goalies to ghosties, Long-leggedy beasties and things that go bump in the night. Deliver us, good Lord.